0: Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast, brought to you by Graf Martin Integrated Marketing Solutions for Good. This season, we're focusing on what nonprofit leadership looks like in this next normal. I'm your host, Ellen Graf Martin, and each episode, you'll get to join me in conversation with some of my friends and peers in the Canadian nonprofit space who are changemakers and groundbreakers across Canada and beyond. Let's jump in. I get to chat with Sean Plummer today, and not just that I get to chat with him, but you get to listen in as I connect with Sean Plummer of Food for the Hungry. And uh, I'll tell you, Sean and I met last December, long before anyone had ever heard the word COVID in Canada, um, or that we ever thought that 2020 was going to look this way. And so I kind of, I feel like that was about eight years ago, but I was, I was really I was jazzed by what I got to know about him when we met for breakfast in an ABC restaurant in Abbotsford, BC. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Sean. So excited that you're here.
1: Thank you, Ellen. It's great to be here.
0: So, okay. Tell us who you are, what you do, and why you love it.
1: So I'm a Chilliwack, BC boy, actually. Born and raised. Went to school here. Went to uh, Trinity Western University. And uh, after Trinity... I decided it was um, time to do more overseas. I'd actually gone to, to Cape and Ray um, in Europe, right out of high school, fell in love with uh, international travel, ended up uh, hitchhiking down and then taking a boat over to Israel and traveling Egypt and uh, just falling in love with that part of the world, came back, got a business degree, and then I was like, now what the heck am I going to do? So. I did what others did and uh, went to Korea, taught English for a couple of years. Uh, and then I felt called, you know what, maybe I'm supposed to be a high school teacher. Business education, that sounds good. So I came back and got a job, actually, um, after doing my PDP at UBC. And then uh, eight weeks into my teaching career, Samaritan's Purse called and said, you know, how would you like to go to Mozambique and help respond to some devastating uh, floods in that part of the part of that world? And I went and took a six-month contract and fell in love with the work, and no turning back. Twenty years later, uh, this is sort of the path that I've been following ever since. So I'm grateful to. Uh, I've married a woman who actually came with me to to Mozambique and then up to Eritrea. So we spent four years together in in Africa and then five years working for their head office in in North Carolina. And and that sort of set me on this path of um, international work and something that's just I've been called to do.
0: And when did you land at Food for the Hungry?
1: I landed at Food for the Hungry uh, early 2010. We we felt called to come back home and Joined FH and uh, did a role in partnership development, so partnering with businesses and churches and artists to grow our child sponsorship program. And just uh, FH really, my whole focus with Samaritan's Purse had really been on the relief and emergency side. FH is just all about sustainable development. So I had a lot to learn in in that world and then became CEO three years ago. So it's been another 10 years, 10 years with SP, now 10 years with with FH. So, yeah, that's that's kind of I guess it only took 6 months to to fall in love with the work and work with the most vulnerable and and just assist people that were in in desperate need. I feel like I'm now you ask about being, you know, what motivates me. I guess it's now like the best of both worlds, I feel. Like I Mm. I get to be home in Canada. I get to engage with Canadians that want to see communities change and thrive. And then I also get to uh, support our staff that are working on the front lines in developing countries around the world. And that just gives me energy every morning to get up and
0: Mm.
1: do the work. And uh, they continue. It's really our staff in the field that just inspire me to to do what we do here in Canada, even though it's a challenging job, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but ultimately they do the hardest work on the ground. And so that always just, that has the fire in me to, to keep me motivated every day.
0: So you mentioned coming home, but I'm assuming that in the past, this has also meant a lot of travel. I know when we got together in December, you had just come back from a trip like the night before and then 2020. So how has your work... <laughs> How has your work changed? I, I've heard a lot of people like when Carrie Newhoff even said, I don't have to travel anymore. This is glorious. Do you kind of feel the same way or is it, uh, how are you connecting still with the field?
1: It's been really hard. It's, um, you know, I think like most charities in Canada, everything changed, I guess, when when March happened. So I, I lasted a trip into Guatemala in January and then we were supposed to go with our board to Bangladesh uh, in February. And a week before that, all the COVID mayhem was happening in Hong Kong. We were supposed to be flying through Hong Kong to go to Bangladesh. We ended up pulling the plug on that trip, mm-hmm. and then reality set in. so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, whatever that date was, the middle of March, we all know it. I think Disneyland closed, and we went, "Oh my goodness, this is this is real." yeah." Uh, And, you know, overnight, all of our public engagement events, artist concerts, team trips, um, done. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we had to adapt. You know, we're a pretty small team of 20. um, So we kind of quickly went to a hybrid model. Uh, A few staff could work out of our office. And the others, um, we all went home. I went into my, uh, we call it, my wife called it the bunker in our basement. And, uh, you know, I was doing, pulling 10, 12-hour days and trying to figure out what that new reality was. Huge shift for us on this end. Then we're, you know, regular communication with our fields who are having to pivot and Mm -hmm. change the way they do things. And quickly, you know, basically 100% of of the work they were doing all of a sudden was adjusting. Now, every country is very different. We work in, you know, Africa, Asia, and Latin America. So each country, very different context. But, you know, they had to pivot to, you know, PPEs and making sure and, and a work for home situation for their staff as well on the ground. And then working with our community leaders and our partner communities of what's the most uh, effective way that we can support them to get through. COVID seemed to have hit us before it actually hit a lot of our fields but they knew what was coming the wave was coming so Mm -hmm. uh, it was more of being flexible and adaptable as we were being here in Canada we also had to do the same with our fields and how we support them with our funding and kind of pivot that to make sure that you know they had flexible funding to to meet the greatest needs at that time so Um, Hey, you know, our our work is relational. That is one of our core values. And we have the trust with our community leaders. So our fields had to adapt very quickly to, you know, all of a sudden, they were cut off from accessing a lot of the remote communities that we partner with. And they were doing, you know, trainings over WhatsApp and cell phones. And so everyone had to Mm -hmm. adapt and adjust Uh, But the beauty of uh, walking with and partnering with communities for at least 10 years, uh, we've got deep relationships. So we were able to keep Mm -hmm. programs going, whether it's agriculture, health, sanitation, hygiene, practices, um, you know, keep the focus on supporting those communities as best we could. Mm -hmm. So major, major uh, adjustments for all of us. Yeah,
0: major adjustments. And you know, it makes me think, so, In international development, what you do is crisis, support in a crisis. So you guys are kind of made for this. So one of my questions is, so what next? So yeah, the crisis hits. uh, you know, in, in, for Canada, I think a lot of us has, have kind of forgotten that there is a crisis, <laughs> you know, we went into crisis mode in March, April. Like, I think I've totally, for, I don't know that I lived through April and May cause I don't like, I don't remember them. <laughs> I know. Total, total amnesia, but it was that crisis. Like it's that fight or flight or freeze. Right. Um, but what happens next and are the people that you work with globally still in crisis Or are you in the what's next phase of that crisis?
1: It's it's still really both. You know, we're in a situation where you're probably aware of the, you know, the largest refugee camp in Bangladesh with the Rohingya. And there's anywhere from 800,000 to a million people. And, you know, FH, we partner with Medical Teams International and providing primary health care. And the UN asked us to greatly amplify our work, and we were already reaching about 100,000 through four um, primary healthcare posts. But then it was, hey, can you guys now build a, a, a care center where, and a treatment center for what we know is coming with COVID? So that's one example of kind of uh, you know crisis that uh, our staff in Bangladesh were already amongst it, but then even had to greatly increase um, their reach when it was already super challenging, already super challenging to, to uh, keep the staff working where they weren't starting to feel safe. Plus then we we're you know, adding a, a treatment center and having to do a bunch of hiring. So just, it's extremely complicated, just as mm-hmm. we know, poverty mm-hmm. is complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID does make it worse. Um, so yeah, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we, 100% of our field operations have pivoted to actively prevent the spread of this disease so and provide life-saving interventions and empower communities as best we can to thrive in the face of these economic uh, uncertainties. Um, So we've been, it's the challenge of uh, I guess pivoting to more on the relief side but we're also we don't want to lose momentum on all the good work that's been done on the you know, on the sustainable community development side Mm -hmm. either. Mm
0: -hmm. It's
1: finding that right balance, making sure our fields uh, and our staff on the ground feel supported, make sure they have the funding available to ramp up their programs and scale to uh, not only reach and work in communities that are already working, but, you know, in many cases, we're being asked to, to expand and grow that operation. So, and... It's, it's forced us to even do more. You know, we're fortunate. We're already a part of some alliances. We know we can't do this work together and that's certainly mm-hmm. the future. So we're a part of these great alliances where we're collaborating, we're working together, we're sharing. Whoever is the strongest on the ground takes the lead. Others come in and contribute oh good. as they can. And uh, we've been fortunate to have a, a donor base and a partner base in Canada that has been faithful through it and are walking with us and unbelievable response through the spring just continues to blow away the, us the the generosity that we're seeing uh from people I, we were all scared at the end of march mm-hmm. planning with our board what is this going to look like and trying to do our projections for the next three to six months and we've been very fortunate god has blessed our organization the last five months so we don't know what's coming but that's kind of where we're at right now
0: i think it was stacy campbell that i was speaking to it was like it's not a five-year plan. It's not even a one-year plan anymore. It's like a three-month plan and another three-month plan because like I'm ready. As as the meme says, I'm ready for some precedented times. (laughs) I'm really tired of unprecedented. Are you finding the same thing?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, talking to the, the planning, we, you know, we kind of have a fixed three-year strategic plan. Well, that's out the door. We're going to, yeah, it's quarterly, it's rolling. It's, uh, Thankfully, our, our board has adjusted and adapted along with us. And, uh, you know, we, we've just gone through our budgeting season for the next fiscal year. And to, to, you know, try to figure out the assumptions that we're trying to make for the mm-hmm. coming year really isn't possible. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of let's do our best plan and let's adjust along the way. And uh, thankfully, we have the support to do it.
0: What would you say to a board that isn't sure what to do right now? If you've got a good board, say tell us how a board can support a leader.
1: We, yeah, we have a board that's really just a governance board. And so they really give the freedom to myself and our senior leadership team. And um, they're a listening ear, they're encouraging, and we've got a board chair that's really shaped this board and, and the direction we've taken We've got amazing leaders um, and they kind of say, hey, you guys, you guys know the work. You're you're collaborating with your fields. You're collaborating with partners across Canada. You know, we practice open book management. So our eyes are on cash and, um, you know, we've got good management practices. that The whole team participates in. So we're really monitoring things along the way. and." And we're, yeah, we're grateful that they're, you know, they're not, they're not hands in, they're hands out. And so to other boards and other leaders, I guess I would just encourage that. We, I guess it's a lot of the practices, I'm fortunate to step in, um, past CEO got a lot of things in place that we've now, you know, we're seven, eight years practicing that have just been really healthy, uh, Mm -hmm. rhythms and habits for our organization that we've been able to keep going, um. So we've been digital for years, uh, we were just set up for, to respond to what COVID brought, um, mm-hmm. even though we were scared. <laughs> you didn't know what was coming around the corner. Our team's been able to adapt and adjust uh, really quickly. So we're fortunate for that, and yeah, grateful for our board that's just really walked with us. We, we kind of stepped into the monthly board meetings, you know, April through July. That was really helpful just to make sure, hey, we got a sounding board to make sure that we were making the right decisions and calls along the way. And they just been fully encouraging and supportive. So we've been okay. I've been very grateful for that.
0: Yes. Well, and I think one of the things you said there <laughs> that you may not have even noticed is that you said we were scared. And I think every single nonprofit in the country was probably scared if they were saying they were a little bit scared. But I don't know if anybody felt safe to say that. So having a board that lets you feel safe to say, I am a bit. I have no idea what's happening because this has been a scary year, twenty twenty. If nothing else has been scary,
1: yeah, I'll I'll admit it. I, I, you know, I can put a, I can put a strong face on. You know, I think if we had been devastated financially as well, it would have been way worse. Uh, and hey, I've been a part of all the surveys across the country. I know uh, it's, it has been devastating for a number of charities and we don't know what's coming. Like I said, it's hard to project Mm -hmm. what calendar year end is going to bring and and things. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I think, you know, our staff, you know, like I said, we're, we're small, we're nimble. There's only 20 of us. Everyone went work from home and we've kind of left, you know, I'm not making any hard policies or how things are gonna go down the road. We don't even know what back to school looks like. So Mm -hmm. we've just tried as a as a team to say, look, we are gonna roll with this. Based Mm -hmm. on your context and your situation, based on where you're at with kids going to school, whether it's gonna be hybrid. We don't know what the fall Mm -hmm. is going to bring. So we've just kind of had to say, Lord, hey, take our fears away. Um You know, we're grateful, again, to our donor base that uh, seems to have the same attitude of going, we know you need the support. We know that what the developing world is experiencing and crises around the world. We're Mm going to be there for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that obviously uh, takes gives us a lot of ease kind of moving forward. So.
0: Well, and there's a lot of, I I guess this is, we really understand our shared humanity when everyone can say, I have no control over my own life right now because I don't even know. I I have been bombed a lot of times by my seven-year-old in a meeting that I, it would have been humiliating a year ago. And now it's just like, it is the way it's gonna go.
1: (laughs) The way it's gonna go. And you know, one cool thing is, like I said, you know, within a week in March, all of a sudden, all public engagement across Canada, team trips, all these things that we put so much value in, were, they were gone overnight. The amazing thing was, I think by mid-May, we, I remember having a meeting with our philanthropy team, going around the circle on Zoom, and people sharing story after encouraging story of going, you know, there was a number of these major donors and others that, frankly, in the past... We're just happy writing a check. And we had a hard time reaching and having a conversation, really you know, deepening mm-hmm. relationship. And we value relationships. That is one of our core values. So it was amazing that it didn't matter who I reached out to. I went from a very quick response, which was typical, because people are extremely busy, to mm-hmm. absolutely, I'd love to meet you on Zoom for a half an hour. Mm-hmm. And so our engagement with donors and, and business and church partners and stuff shot through the roof uh through the spring and nothing could have been more encouraging through that Mm -hmm. time just know that we're just having these types of conversations Mm -hmm. knowing hey they're real they're going through the same thing to adjust with their kids and families and uh you know trips have gone away and they're stuck at home and we were all in this together. And you know, then we started doing these virtual calls with our fields and inviting partners to participate in those. And so it's been a really, yeah, I mean, we've found innovative and creative ways to engage people and that's been really exciting for us.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's funny that some of the innovative ways that we are using now, Aren't that innovative? Like Zoom existed before COVID. That's true. Like we could have actually been doing this, but for some reason there was like a brain block in the how we do things. Uh, Is there anything else that you're seeing where it's like, oh, we could have done that before, but we just never did?
1: You know, up to February, we started looking at, you know, the way we're scaling and growing. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to be in a new. We got to find new office space in, in a year and a half. And all of a sudden, with the new reality of Zoom and our moving our morning huddles where all of our staff uh, jump online, that was all going so well, we realized we don't need to. Like, Mm -hmm. this is the new way, and we should have seen this. You're right. We should have seen some of these things coming and maybe done better forecasting, but... Yeah, I think we just started taking a new attitude on the way our work, our business, the way we engage and communicate with our fields. It can be done more efficiently. It can we can save money in a lot of places. We just need a, a common meeting place now, I think, going forward where we all connect maybe a couple of days out of the week, but the rest mm-hmm. uh, we can. We can I've learned this has been an incredible pilot project we've been afforded, I think to know that we can trust staff to adapt. It's not that working from home means less productive. Mm-hmm.
0: It just
1: means your hours may be a little different, but people have found a new way to do things. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's been, that's been really healthy for me, especially in a new leadership role over the last couple of years. I had a lot of assumptions too that I wasn't sure of, and it's been, it's been neat to been able to try these things mm-hmm. over the last few months. So that's been encouraging.
0: That's good. That's good. So I don't know if you remember this, but when we talked in December, one of the things that we talked about was the model of international development and food for the hungry and the 10-year model. So you work with the community for 10 years, I believe. Please correct everything I say that's wrong. Uh, But (laughs) you work with the community for 10 years and, and that should be the length of the development project. However, all this is changing and at the time we were talking about it changing because of climate change and how you work with a community for 10 years or for eight years and you're like we are almost done we've done our job and then an earthquake hits or a hurricane or a typhoon or a drought and so or covid so (laughs) now how does this change like is it are you i'm assuming you're seeing this even more now and so how do we change our thinking on even philanthropy around a project having an end date?
1: Yeah, I think it's important to still go in. Um, the exit strategy is very important. I think it's right from the start, it's the it's how we build relationship and how we build trust. And, and when I say we, I'm talking our national staff in these countries um, that have that conversation with community leaders. So you know, they have those conversations at the government level of where are the most vulnerable pockets in each of these countries that we work in, and then it's um, you know once it's all agreed with government and then community people that are motivated to change and they really they know where they want to be in 10 to 15 years. Those are really a great fit for food for the hungry. We can come alongside, we walk with them, but it's still following that healthy poverty alleviation model of it is community driven. It ain't it's not donor driven. It's community-driven, it's, com- it's community-led, um, and you know it's that local um, asset development, uh, having them having the awareness of the assets that they already have within their community, and then wherever those gaps are, that's where uh, a Food for the Hungry Canada could can come alongside, and then we connect partners in Canada to financially contribute and build relationship, and then there's that beautiful mutual transformation piece that comes together. So we don't want to lose that. Um, you know, it's funny, in conversations with some of our African staff, they're like, COVID. Like, like." there's 30 other things on our list we're already dealing with. COVID is just another one. And you know what? That's kind of the reality. Um, you know, our staff in Burundi, they face so much. They've faced war. They've, they have serious malaria outbreaks and all these you know tropical diseases and strife and um yeah climate change environment um so there's all these issues they're already dealing with and and so it's it's kind of it's just another thing on the list for them so they kind of bring things back to reality for us when we're in a panic mm-hmm. um so they're like keep the eyes on the goal and so really that's that's what we're doing together It's it's still, our goal is 10 years. Um, and we're monitoring and evaluating along the way with our staff and community. And yeah, if we're behind in a certain area, whether it's health or education or livelihoods, leadership development, we know that's an area where we have to put, put uh, extra emphasis or investment. And so that's a monitoring process that's that we go through. And if there is, Um, yeah, an earthquake or a serious COVID uh, impact and it sets you back a year or two, that's fine. We adjust our goals along the way and maybe it pushes out then to 11 or 12 years and we all agree. But it's still important to have the end goal and we know that when we all get to that place together, we will graduate them and celebrate together and then FH moves on and we exit, we move on to other neighboring communities that are also motivated to change. So the model is there. Uh, the timeline may adjust based on reality at, on the field level. Uh, I think you mentioned philanthropy and I think that's one conversation we've gotten better at over the years where, you know, in the past, I'm sure we've all done it. We go to a donor or someone we think is a major donor and we ask them to write a check to support a program that's not what it's about. It's not about extraction. It's about building relationship. It's facilitating these relationships. We're, we're all, you know, experience poverty in some way here in Canada or mm-hmm. overseas. And so it's, we encourage people to walk with a community for multiple years in relationship. If they want to contribute financially, fantastic. There's many ways that they can do that. Um, but we're trying to get away from this kind of one-time gift to would you consider a multi-year walking with model? Mm. Um, and yeah, and, 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 get involved in multiple ways, whether it's just being a prayer partner or going and experience and building relationship on the ground, uh, or financially supporting, uh, everyone can contribute and be a part of it. So, um, it's so
0: good. It's good. Yeah, and I think moving from that transactional giving to real philanthropy, where you really are involved in investing in other people is a really, it's a huge shift. Are you a nonprofit leader passionate about your organization's mission, but unsure how to communicate it effectively? Do you wish your communications budget went further, that your development and communications teams worked better together, or that you had a stronger plan to find new supporters? At Graf Martin Integrated Marketing Solutions for Good, we get it. With you in mind, we've custom-built solutions for nonprofit organizations to make your message have more impact. Reach further and connect with the right people for years to come. Schedule your free consultation by emailing solutions at GrafMartin.com. Again, that's solutions at GrafMartin.com. Another another question I had was around. Your collaboration. So you talked about the on the ground collaboration, Whoever is stronger um, can do this. And we hear often that collaboration happens overseas often and Canadian donors have no idea that this is actually happening. Um, but that often in Canada, we don't see collaboration happening. However, this summer you had a collaboration with World Vision, Compassion. um, So things are changing. So maybe tell us a little bit about why we need, I guess we know we need to collaborate in Canada, but maybe more about your perspective about why and how we do this in a competitive environment.
1: I've seen, okay, so this is my 20th year and I'll I'll admit my Early years, in the field, in Africa, it was competitive. Um, We were fighting for grants, you were fighting for opportunities, you really, we ran as solo organizations, and it was rare to collaborate. Uh, Then government funding started forcing people to, you had to come together in in a consortium with other organizations in Africa, Asia or Latin America to, to get grant funding. And that started a movement um, here in Canada. So now we've been back for 10 years. I've noticed a huge shift the last four to five years. Uh, the conversations we've been having, you know, and I'll, I'll specifically mention, you know, we're a part of the CCRDA, the Canadian Christian Relief and Development, or Canadian yes. Christian yeah, Relief and Development Association. <laughs> um, you know, they, they moved their annual meeting in May uh, to virtual. And there was, what, 60 of us organizations in the room together. And I've been going to these CCRDA meetings for 10 years. There, this was the most encouraging meeting i would ever been a part of. When we thought mm-hmm. it was going to be super challenging because it was virtual. Mm-hmm. But they had the author, Laura had the author um, for that book. I think it's Rooting for Rivals. Great book great book and we just had the most interesting conversation out of that i've had at least half a dozen conversations with other you know christian uh organizations in canada talking about ways that we can work together here in canada uh internationally where do we have program alignment how can we come together so it's just this new and it's just this kingdom-minded approach that I know it's always been there, but it didn't seem, uh-huh. at least I wasn't a part of those conversations. Uh-huh. Uh, it, but I heard it from a number of leaders that there just seems to be this new way, even before COVID, but COVID sort of amplified this. So yeah, I, I guess, yeah, for, any, for years, you know, we've been partnering with World Vision and others in, in large grants in a number of countries and to have the greatest impact but we haven't found that way in Canada in, in the past. So yeah, super excited to come together with world vision and compassion and this benefit concert. And, and then, like I said, having a number of these other conversations and I know other leaders are too. So, and it's not just looking for funding opportunities. It's, it's, Mm program impact. We're looking at countries where we're already operational, where we would be stronger together. Mm -hmm. So That is uh, it's, it's new and it's exciting. I think Canadians expect it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really hope that's one thing we can push forward. And that's uh, Mm -hmm. one of the encouragements I have for other leaders as well. Just, we get stuck, you're running, essentially you're running a business, you're super busy, but we can't go at this alone. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've read a few articles during COVID, trying to remember the name of one right now but in the end it's basically we either need to transform the way we do things or die well which means there's gonna be a merger or an acquisition happening and, and mm-hmm. I guarantee you it's coming in our sector pretty soon
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, if not already or you're gonna die badly those are kind of the three mm-hmm. options going forward, mm-hmm. and I think we've got to transform together and we've got to come together mm-hmm. as, a, as a community
0: so if if there's a leader saying, I want to collaborate, but I have no idea how to do this, because we have competed for the same donor dollars for years. Um, I'm afraid, like using that I'm afraid model, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose more than I will gain. Uh, what would you say to them?
1: I would say that's an old mentality. I, I I don't, you know, we get, we get scared we have this scarcity mentality because of funding. Mm. Um, We've got to have that abundance mentality going forward. You have to have the faith based or not. You have to have the abundance mentality going forward. There's enough resources out there for all of us, but we have to be smarter in the way we do things and everything you read. And um, you kind of look at the trends there's a lot of charities in Canada and America and other places We're, it's not going to look the same in five years. I'm telling you that it's mm-hmm. so we have to have our head up and be open to, you know, looking at healthy alliances that we can pre participating in. You just, unless you're the biggest in the world. And even then I think it's just smart to, um, Funding levels have been going down uh, percentage-wise for a number of years. And so I think that's just the right business decision Mm -hmm. forward. Um, And Christ calls us to do things together, not solo. So we Mm -hmm. need to come around each other and support one another. And then I think uh, collectively uh, we'll grow together. So
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what I would say. Well, and I would say, especially for faith-based charities, we are supposed to be one body or one family. And, uh, and that's pretty clear, but we don't, we don't, or we haven't necessarily operated. It's easier to say that about the church than about, uh, ministries or nonprofit organizations outside of the church. And so it's a challenge though. It really is. So.
1: Really challenging. And just being super, uh, transparent. Um, we're even doing that as a global, a global food for the hungry, uh, Alliance. Um, you know, we had, we had broken relationships in the early mid two thousands and in the last five years, there's been this amazing, uh, reconciliation process that's happened. Now I'm a part of this team of 10, you know, meeting every other week and we're looking at what does a new global structure look like for us to all come together. Um, because we were broken, we were broken for years and now everyone's back at the table, renewed energy, Mm -hmm. clear on vision, purpose, promise, uh, mission going forward. But now it's all right. What does that global structure need to look like for us to be a thriving organization in five, Mm -hmm. 10 plus years? Mm -hmm. Very much a part of that conversation is we're not doing this alone. So what other like-minded organizations do we need to align with, um, in order to be thriving down the road so mm-hmm. yeah I, I'm sure many are having that conversation right
0: now they uh, are yep.
1: and that's yeah that's my encouragement I think I think we have to be having that conversation
0: yeah yeah and you aren't the first leader so thank you for your transparency because you aren't the first leader who has told me that exact same thing that we have had broken relationships in our own uh, I don't know what is it called fraternity what, like our oh, own
1: association whatever yeah. yes whatever
0: it is we'. We've had those broken relationships. And so it's just, it's fascinating to me to see what God is doing um, and what is happening in the charity world right now. It's not a coincidence (laughs) that this had started before COVID.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: It may have accelerated the fire, (laughs) to be really honest,
1: but. Accelerated. And it's made it super challenging because we can't all come together. I'm on these calls with Korea and Japan, and it's hard but yeah. we're also in this place where we know God has called us to this time right now, where we are all back to the, at the table together. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's only, um, because of yeah reconciling and we're clear on where God is calling us as an organization. Now we got to build a structure that <laughs> supports
0: that vision he has for us. So, so, okay, here's a question personally as a leader, is there anything that you have stopped doing during this season that you're like, I am not going back there? I'm not doing that. I know some some people have said the travel thing. Like, I used to travel three weeks out of the month. I am not doing that anymore. Is there anything that you have said?
1: Yeah, well, like I said, um, you know, it's been digital first for us, thank goodness. And it's kind of the same things, I think, looking back. I I felt we were in a good place to quickly adapt uh to the new way going forward um and a big part for me and i i said it's i'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to see i was seeing the value of decentralizing but i wasn't totally willing to go there so to fully Mm -hmm. trust Mm -hmm. staff whether you're a millennial or (laughs) whatever group you're in we weren't really willing to take those steps yet, but we're seeing the value in it now and we're seeing our team respond because they have a part in this and they have a voice at the table and uh, and they're seeing that the work continues and the impact that they're ultimately having at the field level. So. Yeah. I guess that was, you know, aff- afforded us a bit of time to do that through COVID over the last four or five months.
0: Well, and I think, I mean, when you talk about your path to where you are, it's what, when I moved to Ontario, what someone said is you've had a very non-traditional path to this role. And I would say the same thing about you. And I would just say to people like, this is a BC Gen X path. This is just, <laughs> this is, no, this is actually normal. This isn't too weird. Um, but I think even that, Uh, it's funny how you can move from that non-traditional like we can do things in a whole bunch of different ways to now I'm working in a ministry and this is the way it's always been done Uh, so that can shift it actually we can change it's like that I can change if I have to
1: (laughs) yeah I can change if I have to and you know we um, you know again on the decentralizing part we always sort of wanted the control at our head office but we've Pre-COVID, we started taking the steps of having regional representatives across the country. And now, looking back, so fortunate we made those decisions 18 to 24 months ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were better positioned. We were able to have more close contact and and strengthening relationships with our donors and partners. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's those people that have also opened doors to uh, collaboration um, with other agencies. So. Um yeah, I guess a lot of it was in the works and we probably ramped it up once kind of COVID hit, but I'm trying to think back. Like I can't think of things that are absolutely not gonna do going forward. I I, you know, I'm grateful, like I said, we we practice open book management, some of these other rhythms we already had in place, and those are paying dividends. Um, we quickly jumped from a morning huddle. In the boardroom, which, you know, four out of five days sort of didn't involve our regional reps. Well, now it's sort of even the playing field. So we're all on Zoom every morning mm-hmm. at eight fifteen, even though a number of us are in the office. Um, and it's really has, I thought, I think brought our team together. So mm-hmm. uh, it's been really strengthening for
0: us. So good. Now, one of the things, and you mentioned this just briefly, but uh, one of the unique things about Food for the Hungry is this business partnership idea. So not just partnering with church donors or churches, but also like, how do you connect with businesses? You're a ministry. How do you, how do you connect? Tell us about this.
1: Yeah, it's been amazing. Um, So Prior CEO to myself, Bernie Willock uh, had been a business owner and he really helped us kind of shape a business partner strategy. Very similar really to our how we partner with a church. And um, once we got kind of a, a core group of just these energetic, small, medium, kind of enterprise business owners, you know, a lot of these folks have been, haven't really felt valued in their church. They've been really just, like things we've all been guilty of in the past, we come to them to, hey, would you write a check and support this program? Not really asking them to get involved, Mm -hmm. personally, relationally. At the same time, people, these, you know, these folks, men and women are building these thriving businesses. This is their ministry. And they're looking at new creative ways to engage staff, clients, Suppliers, mm-hmm. and we've been able to find a way where we can kind of facilitate that relationship. So we encourage them, and we connect them to walk with a community in a developing um, country, and and then there's multiple levels to engage. We we can adapt. We're small. Uh, we can work with you and 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 find a model that's uh, works for um, You know, the business owner and and, and their team. And it's been amazing. It's it's brought a lot of companies together that have actually formed alliances and done events together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's allowed them to, to participate. A number of them were already engaged with their local communities, and now they were all you know trying to figure out how do I get involved on the global piece. There we're all trying to be global citizens um, um, to yeah affect humanity around the world in some way, and so. It's been a a thriving thing for us really the last three to four years. That's one thing that's taken off uh, more than anything for us. And we've got these passionate people that want to see sustainable change in their own community, but in communities around the world. And uh, so, yeah, I can go on and on. We've got, uh, we've got businesses uh, with really cool stories. Um, Some companies that have, built their own charities actually under their own umbrella that will partner with us to, you know, they want to affect change in education in one country or see health impacted in, in a, in a region and, uh, and they can get involved. And it's, we just set it up as really a plug and play for them Mm -hmm. to engage at whatever level they can. So uh, it's been fun. Love
0: it. I love it because I'm one of those people who has been called to business for the church and to church for business. (laughs) So, or, and, and it's hard. It's really, really hard because finding your fit. So could you tell us a story about one of those businesses and what you've, because you did this before you were CEO, is that correct? You were working in that area.
1: Correct. That's right. Yeah. So I'll mention um, there's an investment group uh, in Edmonton, they wanted to, it was sort of the exact example I was referring to earlier. They wanted to, uh, impact, uh, education in, in one country. So they went about and basically interviewed 20 different Canadian organizations over a year, a year, did a really deep due diligence. Um, in the end, uh, I'd been introduced, uh, to their owner and we sort of presented uh, this opportunity of communities that we're partnering in um, in Guatemala and um, child malnutrition is sort of the cross-cutting theme there Um, it's a major part of the programs that we do Uh, but education is uh, instrumental in that region and has huge needs a lot of infrastructure needs teacher training you know government hasn't been able to contribute as much into the remote regions as they'd like to, and so it seemed to be a great fit not only uh, in communities that Canada supports but even our u s office supports as well. so they've we've kind of built this partnership over five years where now um, they've got this model as new clients come on, they take their first eighteen months of revenue from those clients and put them into Um, This fund that goes then to support Mm -hmm. their new school builds or uh, rehabilitation and helping, um, you know, supplies set up in classrooms and supports teacher training if latrines are needed, whatever. It's sort of the whole package. Mm -hmm. And as they grow um, their client base and their revenue base, the more they're able to do with us. So, This is a partner that's looking, I mean, they're already looking 10, 15, 20 years out of having major impact and really affecting a large, you know, a large part of this country. Mm -hmm. So that'd be one of the kind of bigger partnership examples uh, that's been super exciting. You know, it's slow to develop. You got to figure out how to work well together. We had a lot to learn from um, a business like that. Mm-hmm. When you're a charity, but you know, we need to sharpen up our, our the way we do our business operations as mm-hmm. well. So, and they were they were new to the international development world and what sustainable community development meant and how all these sectors need to come in. And really, uh, it's got to be a holistic approach if you want to see sustainability. So mm-hmm. they can affect change in one of those areas, and that's super exciting for them and motivates their team, motivates their clients. And uh, yeah. it's it's been so really good. good. It's been exciting to do it together.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, this this has been rich. <laughs> this has been really good. We could talk forever. But I have one well, I have two last questions for you. The first is if someone wants to find out more information about you, food for the hungry, how do they find you?
1: Uh fhcanada.org is our website. And then yeah, fhcanada um through our any of our social channels, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we have a blog on our website as well, so there's there's multiple channels uh, of engaging with our organization, uh, or just call us. Um, go to our website and uh, phone phone our office, and you'll connect uh, with someone for child sponsorship or uh, Carissa, who's a lead our director of philanthropy, or. You know, call me. There's multiple ways to get in touch with us.
0: So good. So if there's a business leader listening, and they're like, "What do I do this year?" This is a great option too. So you can be in touch.
1: And on our website, it gives examples of uh, uh, partnerships that are already happening. We have some businesses and churches that are listed, and and what those relationships look like.
0: Perfect. Okay. So last question is: Is there anything else you would say to your peers across the country? as they just kind of, we're going into this next season. Everyone's a little tired. That's what I'm seeing. Everybody's a little tired. We're coming out of crisis mode into next, I'm not calling it new normal, but next normal, because it changes every day. What would you say to them?
1: I would say, and I'm guilty of this, um, super important to just keep those healthy rhythms going for personal life, as well as work life. Um, you know, whatever that work life balance is, I don't know if that's possible, but it's just finding healthy rhythms that work for you and your family and you and your organization. So Mm -hmm. that would be one thing. Um, the other thing is don't go at this alone. You know, we kind of talked about this earlier. I think it's, it's super important as a leader, especially now you need to have a group of peers around you. Um. You've got to be learning and sharing and being vulnerable. And uh, I'm, I've am i been fortunate. I did the their leadership journey about four years ago. And I've got a, a group of gentlemen that are also leaders and we share get together monthly. And that's been huge for me. Uh, and then connecting with other charity leaders. So that'd be another encouragement just to mm. make sure you're not going at this alone during this time. And then, yeah, let's, let's talk. I think there's, you know, be a part of these CCRDA, CCIC, these other memberships. I think it's really important right now to be, you know, part of the conversation of we've got to find ways to collaborate and partner together. We'll we'll do better than at coming alongside the Canadian Church with healthy poverty alleviation resources, supporting Canadian business. Um, we've gotta find new creative ways to be doing these things together. So mm-hmm. uh, that would be my encouragement. I think we've I'm fortunate to have a great team who's really outward looking and great at relationships and they're building a lot of these things uh together. And I would encourage others to do, be doing the same.
0: So good. And I I suspect people will feel like they found a friend today, uh, in you, Sean Plummer. So people may start phoning you, just so you know. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> This is good. This is very good. Well, I'm so glad you joined us today. Thank you. Thank you for this. And uh, I am going to be tracking with what you and the team there, because I think I've heard rumblings of a podcast happening there too. Oh, so there are, rumblings, yeah. <laughs> there are rumblings. So things to follow up on. So glad to connect with you. Thank you, Ellen.
1: Good to be with you today.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Changemakers Podcast, brought to you by Graph Martin Integrated Marketing Solutions for Good. Graph Martin is Canada's leading integrated marketing and communications agency for nonprofit organizations seeking to do more good. If you need an agile, full-service marketing agency to move your organization forward, we get it. Visit GraphMartin.com to learn more and schedule your free consultation so that you can do more good.